Ever pinch pennies all year for that one family vacation only to feel the budget blues afterward? If so, I was just like you. After three long vacationless years, I stumbled upon travel hacking and cracked the code to amazing vacations that I could actually afford. Welcome to Hacking Your Wanderlust. In this podcast, you will discover how opening credit cards strategically can save you thousands on travel. We're not just dreamers anymore. We're two adventurous moms turning dreams into reality. Join us as we spill all the travel hacking secrets. And contrary to popular belief, traveling on points and miles isn't reserved for the elite or those with overflowing bank accounts. It's for everyday people like you and me learning to turn routine expenses into free travel. Consider us your travel hacking guides. This is Hacking Your Wanderlust. Let the adventure begin. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Mary Ellen. And I am Joe. We're so happy you guys are here today because we're talking about something really special. Something magical, you might say. Yes. Any guesses as to what it, you know what, they already know because they read the title. Oh, that's true. (laughs) You little cheaters. Cheating. We do not take kindly with that here. No, we are talking about Disney, you guys, and I could not be more excited because even though I have not been to Disney since I was a little, little kid, I am a huge Disney fanatic. You can always catch me singing Disney songs and watching Disney movies. It is one of my favorite things in the entire world, so it's pretty wild that I haven't been. That is wild since you were little. Yeah, not at all in my adult life. In fact, you know, what's really sad is I don't remember going to Disney. I only know it happens because I have pictures of it. And so Um, I always said I wasn't going to take my daughter till I was sure she was old enough to remember. But I have to be honest, I did think it would happen before now. I mean, she's about to be 12 and we still haven't made it happen. It's almost time. You're almost there. Well, yeah, now that I've learned about travel hacking and we're going to have on our surprise guest to tell us all about how to do it, like it seems like it's actually in the near future. What about you? You have any great Disney memories? I do have a few. So this is kind of a fun fact. My cousin actually got married at Disney World in Cinderella's castle. Like she had a whole fairy tale wedding at Disney. Is that crazy? I don't think I even knew you could do that. And now it's making me rethink my whole wedding for next year. (laughs) I know. It's not too late. You got to rebook Disney. Yeah, I don't think that one's in the budget, I have to tell you. But oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. That is really special. And then the other Disney memory that I have, we went many years ago now. Gosh, time has gone by quickly. But I once did what could be considered the ultimate travel hack, which is not realistic to do again, but... I earned a free trip to Disney World for my whole family. Was it, okay, I, was it a timeshare presentation? <laughs> it was not a timeshare. So that's how we went when we were kids. <laughs> No, it was not a timeshare. So in my former life, I'm somebody who has worn lots of hats over the years. I was a teacher and specifically a reading educator. And then I sold children's books for a company formerly known as Usborne Books and More. Now it's known as Paper Pie. It's a phenomenal company. And with my background as a teacher and a reading educator, I just loved their books. And so for a while, when my kids were young and I was a stay-at-home mom, I also sold children's books and I was um, successful with it. I, I had a great year and earned a free incentive trip to Disney World for myself, my husband, and my two kids. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. And that is so much better than having to sit through a high-pressure timeshare presentation <laughs> with your children, by the way. Like, oh, wow. That's what my parents had to do. I can't remember, but I am sure it was not a pleasant experience. But, you know, anything to get those tickets to Disney. I know. So now next time I'm going to need to pay. 
But I'm excited to do that with my kids again because I had my two older kids got to go, but now we have a little one again. So she's two. So I'm thinking about maybe we need to sneak in another trip to Disney before she turns three because when you're under three, you are free. So we're our oh. time is running out for us. Yeah, time is running out. So we got to get on maybe planning a Disney trip. But I'm excited to learn from our guests today because I need to make it happen while I still have one little freebie kid. Yes, because we know those tickets do not come cheap. So definitely squeeze it in before she turns three. And I think that we should just get started with our guest right away. So without further ado, we have Heather with us today. Okay, guys, meet Heather. Heather is a homeschooling mama that you can find on Instagram at homeschooling on points. And she is a Disney lover. She knows all things Disney. And Joanna wants to plan a trip coming up with her daughter to Disney World. So we thought, who better to have on the podcast than Heather? So welcome. Thanks for inviting me on. I always love to talk Disney and travel hacking with anyone that wants to listen. We are so excited that you are here. And I was even more excited when I saw that homeschooling is another one of the things you do because I was homeschooled. So I have this special part of my heart that every time I hear homeschooling, I go a little soft and I'm Mm -hmm. just like, oh, these are my people. Even though I was not able to homeschool my daughter, which is a big regret of mine, um, I just always love people from the homeschooling community. So we are so excited to have you here today to talk Disney. I have been trying to plan a Disney trip for the better part of 10 years. And it's like I, I save up and I get my little Disney fun going. And it is the first thing to be wiped out anytime there's an emergency. So to learn that there are ways that I can potentially travel hack Disney is so exciting. So I would love it if you could give us a little bio. Tell us how you got into it and just tell us a little about your journey. Sure. So I started travel hacking in the fall of 2019, specifically because I wanted to take my family to Disney. Um, Our youngest was born in 2018. and at that point, I switched to being a stay-at-home mom. So losing my income meant our travel budget went with my income. And I grew up in Florida. We went to Disney all the time. Disney's one of those places that I just have fond memories from my childhood. So the thought of not continuing to make those with my own kids made me so sad. Um, so I started looking at ways that we could still go to Disney without you know, be- paying a lot of money. It's expensive to go to Disney. Um, so that's kind of, I got into travel hacking was to figure out how can I take my family to Disney world? Um, and honestly, the first credit card that I had, and I still have it cause it's my oldest credit card was the Disney visa. So my husband kind of pushed me into travel hacking, not really knowing he was doing it, but he joked, he was like, well, use your Disney visa. We'll have enough points one day to take the kids. And I love time, it. And at the time I would earn like maybe like every purchase ever would go on our Disney visa and I would make maybe like $300 a year in Disney points. I'm like, that's not even going to pay for a single day at right. Like $300 is hardly anything for Disney. So, um, but I realized at the time that there were other credit cards I could start opening and that's what kind of led me into travel hacking. Um, Right. And so then, which one did you, where did you go once you figured out that you could really leverage points to make Disney a reality? What credit card did you go to next? So my first travel hacking credit card was the Chase Inc. Preferred. Um, I found a Disney travel hacking group and that was the credit card that um, was recommended to me because it was a business card. It wouldn't impact my 524. Um, it would let me earn ultimate reward points, which... Those are my favorite because they're so flexible. You can use them in so many ways. Um, And so that was my first credit card. And then we just kind of made a plan and went from there. That's a very lofty credit card to start with. Most people are scared of the business cards and so they avoid them. I am an ink 
card fanatic. We're going to have an episode about that in the future because I'm obsessed with them. I kind of, I also did things in reverse and started with the business cards because by the time I learned what 524 was, I was already too full. So business cards were how I had to start because I was at 424. And so I have two of the inks. So I am really excited to hear how the inks can help with Disney. It sounds like I'm already on the right track. Yeah, so how do you use Ultimate Reward Points then? What do you transfer to in Orlando? Do you use it for Hyatt Hotels? Or how do you take advantage of the Chase Ultimate Rewards Points to make Disney happen? So the thing about Walt Disney World is you have to take all the best advice for travel hacking and throw it out the window. Um, So there are, and I'll get to this when we talk about hotels, there's one Hyatt Hotel that I might stay at but I'll explain why it's not really a great option a little bit later. Um, But there's not really great transfer options, but I pair mine with the Chase Sapphire Reserve specifically because booking through the travel portal there is um, going to be the best option I find. In fact, this morning I was just switching around our reservations for our trip in January and I had to book the hotel that I wanted with like points through the travel portal and because I have the Chase Sapphire Reserve, I was kind of able to save points um, booking through the travel portal because of the elevated um, redemption rate with the reserve. So that's right. what I pair mine with specifically for Disney. So gotcha. does the reserve have a different redemption rate than the preferred? So the preferred, when you book the travel portal, your points are worth one and a quarter cents per point. With the reserve, you get one and a half cents per point. So like the room that I booked this morning was about $600 cash. And with the reserve, I would have paid about 50,000 points. Or no, sorry. With the preferred, I would have paid 50,000 points. But with the reserve, I paid about 40,000 points for that room. That is fascinating because, you know, in the travel hacking community, it's all about the preferred. Most people don't talk about the reserve. So I have never actually even heard that it's you get a higher value in the portal because that's another travel hacking 101 is everyone's like, don't use the (laughs) portal. So, Heather, how can we get actual tickets to Disney? Is there anything, anything you can do to make the actual Disney tickets any cheaper? Not really. Um, There are times where Disney will run promotions like this summer. They had a promotion where the tickets were just cheaper in general from Disney. They had like a four day four park promotion. Tickets are generally like 120 to 25 or more per day. And this ticket promo was like each day was $100. Um, So from time to time, Disney will have a promotion. Um, But in general, there's not a way to save on tickets. So you just have to find ways to reduce your out-of-pocket costs with points. I like to do bank bonuses as well um, Mm -hmm. to help with just the cost of that. I actually, we have annual passes. We go enough that we figured that buying annual passes was a good investment in being able to just book hotels and go to Disney. So we have annual passes, but um, the regular park tickets, there's not really any savings. Back when my last time my family went to Disney, we bought gift cards through Target because mm-hmm. we had a Target red card and we got 5% off on all the gift cards. And I know a lot of people do the, if, depending on what um, Chase Inc. card you have, maybe you buy Disney gift cards at office supply stores just to get kind of 5% off. Is that something that you've done as well? Oh, yeah. Disney gift, buying discounted Disney gift cards or finding ways to um, get money back from buying a Disney gift card through like statement credit offers or like you said, the Chase Inc. Cash. So Chase Sapphire Reserve, I buy my gift cards at a grocery store with my Chase Sapphire Reserve. And with that specific card, you can use your points to pay yourself back at one and a quarter cents per point. So we just booked or we're going on Disney Cruise next month. I used a bunch of Disney gift cards that I purchased at the grocery store and it's not a great redemption value, but I was able to buy a thousand dollars worth of Disney gift cards for eighty thousand points. Um, but it only that only worked with the Chase Sapphire Reserve. 
I got you. I love, though, that you said it's not a great redemption, but this is what our family did. Because I think so much in the travel hacking world, people get so caught up in we have to get the best redemption. We have to have the absolute best redemption we can. And it's like, no, whatever works for your family to go the place they want to go. If your kids want to go to Disney, maybe it's not going to be the place that you can travel hack absolutely every penny or get the best redemptions. But this is what your family wants to do. And so get the best deal you can and be excited about that. Yeah, it's all about those memories, um, which the travel hacking community loves to do that math problem. How many, how many, you know, points and cents and all of that. And they love to tell you in the Facebook groups that things are not a good redemption. And I I just love this because it's you got your goals, you made your plans and you made them happen. It doesn't really matter what their redemption is. I am interested in a couple of things that you said there. The first is I would love to know how much the annual, um, the season pass costs just for people who might be interested in going that route. And I thought there were different rates for if you live out of state or if you live in state. Um, And then I'd love to hear about this uh, Disney cruise you have coming up and all about that because that is on my bucket list. (laughs) Um, So there are two different rates based on where you live. The out-of-state pass, I we are up. We're going to be up for renewal after our January trip. So I think it's in like the thirteen hundred dollar per person price range, which is very expensive. But I've calculated that if we take two trips a year, where we would buy separate theme park tickets that are five days or more, just for our family, it's cheaper to have the annual pass. Okay. So usually we just like stockpile, you know, Christmas money, my husband's year in bonus, and we just throw that at annual passes. And that's just our investment in travel for the year. Um, but, so it's not cheap, but it's, you know, worth it for someone that goes to Disney a lot like us. Um, but if you live in the state of Florida, they have an option that's it's just weekdays and it's black. There's blackout dates around holidays, like spring break time. But those start at $400 a person. Um, if you are someone that's like, maybe you live in like South Florida and you want to drive up for a week, um, which is crazy because a week, like five days of park tickets would be way more than that. Yeah. Sometimes I consider like placing residency in Florida, like buying an apartment that we only stay in, you know, a short time, rent it out because the it's such a deal if you live in with Florida. homeschooling. Hey, that's a possibility. You can I've, do it. I've looked at it several times because it's such a deal. Yeah. I can tell you, it was so depressing. My So I actually lived in Florida for a time, and I thought, okay, when we were going to move to Florida, that's what we were going to do. We were going to get the Disney passes. It was going to be awesome. And then I was pregnant when we moved there, and this was our first child. So we didn't have, it was just my husband and I, but I was pregnant. So we're like, well, we're not going to buy passes while I'm pregnant because I can't ride anything. And then we had a newborn. And then we moved away. And so we never took advantage and got the Disney passes. And I'm like, ah, we would, of course, love that and use it all the time now with our older kids. But it was kind of a bummer that the the brief time I lived in Florida, we weren't able to (laughs) capitalize on that. We talk about moving to Florida all the time. And this just feels like another thing on the list of why we should go. I would love to hear about the cruise. Is it specifically through Disney Cruise Lines? They have their own cruise line, correct? They it's do. not run yep. through any of the big No, it's well Disney known. Cruise Line. Yeah, they have, I think they have three or four ships now, and they're getting ready to debut another ship next year. This is like my kids' bucket list. They have been begging. In fact, last year I said, would you guys have rather gone on a Disney cruise for like four days or have annual passes? Like that's about the same price of like renewing our annual passes or taking a Disney cruise. And they all said they'd rather go on a cruise. Wow. Too late. I already renewed our passes. Um, (laughs) But all year I've been like plugging away at saving for it. So we're doing a three night cruise on the Wish, which is their current newest ship. Um, And it leaves from Port Canaveral, which is close to Disney. So it's a good like if we're doing Disney before and then we're leaving Disney and going straight to the cruise. Are there any tips to make that possible for people cheaper? Any kind of hacking options? So as soon as Disney releases their schedule, it's best to book. There's not really a way that you can directly use points to book. But what I did was I placed like my initial deposit with on my venture card and I had venture miles to erase that. Um, And then I had, I have a really great um, 
what do you call them? Travel agents, travel agents. And usually with travel hacking, we're not used to using travel agents, but because you're booking directly with Disney, I have a really great travel agent and she like understands travel hacking. And so me changing my payment method every couple of, you know, every time I made a payment, I was like, Hey, I need to update my credit card and I need to switch to this or I need to use Disney gift cards. She was great. Um, but like I would, that I did is my first, awesome. yeah, I did my first on my venture card and then I swapped and did my husband's venture card. Um, cause we both have earned venture and venture X signup bonuses. Um, so that was a big chunk. And then I mentioned buying Disney gift cards, um, with my Chase Sapphire reserve and using pay yourself back. Um, so that was like the main way that we covered our cruise with points kind of indirectly. I'm so glad you mentioned that about the venture cards because that's what I was hoping you would talk about because I I typically recommend, if I know that people are hoping to go to Disney, that's the card and the card family, Capital One Venture, Capital One Venture X, that I recommend for people because you can erase your purchase. So when you get the sign-up bonus, like recently I got a um, Venture X and my sign-up bonus that I earned was 75,000 points, which is about $750 worth of travel that mm-hmm. I can erase. So it's it's a little flexible for trips that it's not points that you necessarily want to are going to transfer to, you know, another airline or a hotel. You can just erase a purchase with it. And so a lot of people with Disney, I've heard that's how they do it is they'll use Capital One points to erase. But yes. I didn't know about with the cruise. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can erase uh, Disney cruise, anything. I believe that we can leave, like I have, my husband has like 40,000 miles. So like, or not 40,000, 4,000. He's got like $40 worth. So I'm thinking about leaving that as like our card. When we check in for our cruise, we probably won't spend that much beyond what we've already spent. But I think that we can erase like our cruise room charges with Capital One Miles as well. Because you can do that at the Disney resorts. If you leave your venture card on file, your like room charge will code as travel. So that's like a hack to erase like your dining or souvenirs. Um, That's another way. That that. is so good to know. I do think it's important to point out to people that if you are trying to erase Disney park tickets, you have to book them somewhere specific, correct, to get them to code as travel. Maybe you could talk a little about that. Yeah. For Disney park tickets, it'll code as like entertainment or something. Um, So to have it code as travel, you need to book through like a travel agency or a if you book a package with a room, that will code as travel. But just tickets won't code that way. Undercover Tourist is the one that most people will go with, um, where if you purchase your tickets through Undercover Tourist, they will code as travel so you can erase them from Capital One. If you decide to go the Disney Planner route, I know you said you have a great... I love Disney Planners. They're amazing. They will book your reservations for you. They're like a a life hack because they make Disney so much easier for you and like more enjoyable. Take away some of the stress. But Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about that it's possible that if you book through them, maybe you can use Venture Miles. Yeah, if you book... Well, if you book a package. So like if you just buy tickets through a Disney travel agent they'll code the same way as if you purchase them off the disney website Um, but if you like book a room package with a travel agent or just on the disney website you will code as travel that's great to know your room and your tickets all in the same bundle and that codes correctly very cool is so good to know. Um, maybe next you could tell us a little about the hotels in the area that you like, how you hack those, if there's any like sweet spots uh, for different seasons or, you know, just whatever you feel like we should know about Disney hotels. So I kind of, I have like in my head, I have ranked like levels of hotels. Like I have good, like a good level a better option and then the best options. And so when I'm planning the trip, I'll always search the best options first and see if there's anything available and then I have points for, then I'll kind of work my way down. So I'll start at the bottom and then kind of work progressively. I like it. I love a ranking system. (laughs) So I would say like in the good options, these are hotels that are maybe close to Disney, but they're not on property. Um, They don't have any of the theme park perks or transportation, which that could be a big thing for a big, a big added cost. True, um, true. Depending on, you know, we drive, we're about nine hours from Disney and we live very rural. So 
if we fly from our local airport, we have to lay over. And by the time we do that, we've spent nine hours in airports. Um, so we drive and we have a car, but if you're thinking about you need to fly and then book a rental car, um, that can get really expensive when you're staying at some of these, what I would call the good options. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. And so the first on that list would be the Hyatt Grand Cypress. It's close to Disney. That's the one that most um, travel hackers who are like very Hyatt loyal will stay at. Um, the reason that's like not one that I recommend to too many people is that there's a $27 a night parking fee. Mm-hmm. And then you're really car dependent there. So you would then have to pay $30 at the theme parks to park. So right out of the gate, if you have a rental car, you're paying $60 a day just to park your car at the hotel and then at the theme parks. That and makes it crazy. Account for the rental car costs that you're already paying. Um, I think I have, we stay at Hyatt's, but I'm, I don't have status with them. Like I'm may, I maybe discover us. I don't even know. But I think if you're a globalist, like you get free parking. So if you're a globalist and you get free parking and free breakfast, go for it. Like this could be a good option. But if you don't have status with them, you're just going to end up paying a lot extra. Right. Um, and they don't, their shuttle is very limited and I believe it's a paid shuttle. So like um, I said, you're just really car dependent. You could Uber or Lyft as well. But if you have kids with car seats. Then you run into like, well, now I have a car seat. Where do I put it? I have to rent a locker at the theme park. So you could just potentially have a lot of added costs because you want to maximize and transfer and get that great, you know, cent per point redemption. Um, Okay. So I love, you're so helpful. (laughs) I love this. All right. Take us up a level then. If we're, if Hyatt's out, okay, take it. We want more. We want better. (laughs) Well, I will mention there's some honorable mentions um, for Hyatt or not Hyatt, for Hilton and Marriott, there's a little pocket right off property called Flamingo Crossings. And so if you're using Hilton or Marriott points, there's a few little hotels there that are just substantially cheaper than the Hilton or Marriott options that I'll talk about next. Um, So if you have some Marriott points or some Hilton points and you want to book with those, um, the Flamingo Crossing area, they don't have parking fees at their hotels, but it's, again, you're really car dependent. So you just have to pay for a rental car and then you'd have to pay to park at the theme parks. So okay. that's another option. Yeah. Um, so if you go up to the next level, I would consider these are where you start to get some Disney perks. You have transportation from the hotels. So Disney has three different levels of their official resorts. They have value resorts, which are like the cheapest. I would kind of equate it to like a Hampton Inn or like a Holiday Inn Express level where it's basically just a couple of beds, a shower. There's not really much, you don't, there's, there's a pool, but there's not like much benefits. Right. Um, and then they have what they consider their moderate, which is just a little bit nicer theming. Same with you have a couple of beds, a shower, the pool is a little bit nicer. Um, but all of these are going to have bus transportation to the parks included. And there's no resort fees. There's no parking fees. So if you do have a car, you can park for free. You don't have to worry about any hidden fees. Um, so that would be a better option, in my opinion, just because you don't have to worry about all those extra costs. Um, and then there are a select few of what Disney considers good neighbor hotels. And these are like co-branded hotels that Disney extends some of the perks to. Oh. Um, and so the one perk that all Disney resorts get, plus these good neighbor hotels, is early entry to the theme parks. Um, and you get in. 30 minutes before the park opens at every theme park each day, which is a really great perk if you're trying to get to those like big rides that can get really long lines later in the day. Um, Having this perk where you can get into the park early helps you to not have to wait in those long lines. I love that. And what are the, I I knew that when you stayed on property with Disney, you could do that, but I don't know if I was aware of the good neighbor hotels. What options are those? So there's four, no, there's five Hilton options and you would want to Google like Disney or I would, I would search Disney early entry because that'll give you the list of the good neighbor hotels that Disney extends the early entry to because Disney will classify a lot of hotels as good neighbor hotels, but not all of them get the perks. Um, okay. So I would look for the early entry specific page on the Disney website and scroll down. But there's five Hilton hotels that you can book either with points or you can book through like the Chase Travel Portal. 
Um, there are, there's an IHG, so a Holiday Inn. Um, I believe there's a couple of Wyndham options and then just some off brands like a Drury, um, which that's a kind of a unique option because they actually serve you free breakfast and dinner. It's um, that kickback. <clears throat> I love the kickback. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people talk about that. So if you are like trying to not spend money on food, that's a very affordable option actually. And you get two meals. So that's kind of nice. And um, food but, is pricey. I mean, food yeah. is a big, big thing at Disney World. Yeah. And then I'll talk about, so the next level beyond um, the better would be the best option. And in the best option, there is a Marriott. There are three Marriott properties that I would consider to be the best option to book with points. Um, And it's the Swan, the Dolphin, and the Swan Reserve. Um, These can be booked with Marriott points, or you can book through the travel portals. Um, These get the early entry. They have free transportation. And two nights a week, they get two extra hours in the theme parks. That's just for deluxe resort guests. So Disney gives them all the perks. So Marriott can be kind of tricky to book with points because I have not figured out any rhyme or reason to how they price their rooms with points. Um, Like I just rebooked our whole January trip because the points points dropped drastically. Like we're talking about they were you know, they were 80,000 points and now they're 50,000 points. And so I was like, I need need to rebook and save all these points. Um, But then I actually, like, I couldn't book two of the nights through Marriott. So then I jumped on my, you know, the Chase travel portal and I found the other two nights, oddly enough, even though Marriott said we're, we're full. um, That is interesting. Yeah. That you couldn't see it one place, but saw it the other tricky, tricky. Okay, yeah. this is why everybody needs to – I feel like in travel hacking, there is kind of this key to, like, keep researching, keep mm-hmm. looking, keep checking. Yeah. And this is why, you guys. That's really crazy. I think that, like, these hotels will give inventory to, like, travel agencies or, like, I think Expedia is what powers the Chase travel portal. So, like, they give some rooms to Expedia. Um, and then if Expedia doesn't book them, maybe they have to give them back to Chase at a certain point. I don't, or not Chase, back to Marriott. Um, Interesting. So I think Marriott technically was sold out, but the rooms that they've like a room block or whatever they've given to these different travel sites, they still had rooms. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was very odd. Okay, that is so strange. Tell us which cards you love the most for collecting points to stay at these. Marriott properties. Um, like you, I'm a huge fan of the Chase Inc. cards. Um, Chase Inc. cards are like the bread and butter for me. I, my husband and I will refer each other back and forth. And especially with the 40,000 point referrals right now, like that's a huge chunk of points that really we can stretch them pretty far. Um, so those are the main ones. I'm also, which Again, throw all these travel hacking rules out the window. I'm also (laughs) a big fan of U.S. Bank business cards. Um, They're cashback cards, which, you know, we're not supposed to like cashback cards in the travel hacking world. But for Disney, you need a lot of cash to be able to pay for stuff. Um, So these are great because they have big cash bonuses. They don't count towards your 524. And generally, they're like really long periods of time for minimum spend. Like one of them I opened earlier had a six month period to meet your minimum spend and I had and I think the sign up bonus was like six hundred dollars. Wow. Now so is I, this a business card or a personal card? The US bank ones I open are the business cards. So Okay. That those are kind of my other favorites outside of uh the Chase cards. Chasing. I love that because that's not something that we do hear about very often. So that is really interesting and good to know another option for you. And you're right. With Disney, you need cash. It's mm-hmm. You can't you know always use points directly. So that's a great tip and an option for people planning Disney trips. Yes. And you mentioned the bank bonuses earlier. Are there any great ones going on right now that you are directing people towards? I'm trying to think. There was a bunch. Around our fall trip, I shared several. Um, I'm waiting for Wells Fargo. I opened that one. Um, and I think theirs pretty much, they renew it. Every time it expires, they renew it. Um, so the Wells Fargo is a nice one because you can earn it every 12 months. So I will oh. open the account. My husband and I will earn our bonus. We'll call in and say, we don't like that there's a monthly fee. Cancel the the checking account. 
And then we'll keep track of like when's 12 months since we earned our last bonus. And then once it renews after that, we'll just reapply. So we've earned like three or four different Wells Fargo bank bonuses in the last couple of years. I love that. Now, are bank bonuses taxed? Do you have to keep track of that? Because I thought I read that that comes, they send a 1099 at the end of the year. Yeah, they do. You'll get, I don't, I don't keep track of stuff. I'm really bad about that, but the banks will send you, you don't have to keep track because they'll send you the forms. Um, So I just make sure I wait until like the middle of February. So I've received all the possible forms, Mm -hmm. Um, but bank bonuses are taxable along with referral points. So mm-hmm. like Chase will send me, so like say I refer my husband to a Chase Inc. and that's 40,000 points. They will send me a 1099 and say that I earned $400 from that referral. Um, and then I would be taxed on that. So that's yeah, something that to is, be aware of with referrals is that it absolutely. is taxable. But sign up bonuses, those are not taxed. Yeah, that's very, very important. And I guess while we're in this vein, and you said you're not very good at this, I'm also not super good at it. But is there any strategies you use for keeping yourself organized when you're prepping for a, a Disney trip, whether it's spreadsheets or apps or anything to to kind of figure out where you are in your process? I am very old school. So I have like a Google spreadsheet where I just list all of the credit cards when I open it, you know, all of the terms and the sign up bonus. And then I just have like a little drop down. Have I met my bonus? Yes or no? Um, Usually when I first started, I would just kind of map out a plan. Like this is my goal. I need to open these cards um, to have enough points to take the trip I want. And I always would prioritize hotels first or airlines first, just depending on how far in advance I'm booking or starting to open credit cards. And then I would just have like a note on my phone that would say like, Player one, this is your card around this time frame. Then next player two, you're going to open this card. So I'm not fancy at all. I don't have any apps that I find to be very useful, but just a spreadsheet and a note on my phone and just keep plugging away at it. I love a Google spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Mary Mary Ellen's taught me a lot about spreadsheets. I have to say that I, I put everything in the notes app on my iPhone. I'm just like constantly yeah. making new notes. It's it's a step below a spreadsheet. It's not, not great organizing, but somehow I managed to stay on top of it. Can I ask another question about the inks? Are you a person that has multiple of the same card? Because I know people talk about this and I have not done this yet, um, but I think you can get two or three of each card. Can you tell us a little bit about that process if you've done it? Yeah, I, my, we are, um, my husband and I, we just alternate every 90 days. So like I will open a card and then 90 days later, I'll open an ink card again. And I do have multiples of like the chasing cash and I have multiples of the chasing unlimited. Um, so we just refer each other back and forth every 90 days. So we're kind of on like an alternating schedule, if that makes sense. It totally does. What are the rules in terms of if you're opening them um, as like sole proprietors or for businesses, does each one have to be for a different thing or do they actually allow you to open multiple for the same business? So I, so when I started, I was, you know, told just keep opening inks. That's that's your game plan. And so I did that. It wasn't until recently that somebody showed me that buried in like the terms, it says that you're not eligible if you've had this card within 24 months. But it's weird to me because every other card that there's a time frame, it'll say like front and center on the application page, like the terms of like when you can reapply and earn the bonus. Um, I have never not earned a bonus on an ink card and I always apply as a sole proprietor with my one business. Um, so the terms are vague, I consider, because it's just kind of buried and they pay out the bonus. If you're approved for the ink card, they pay out the bonus. So online in their terms, like I said, buried at the bottom of their terms and what is actually done is two different things. It's so bizarre. It's kind of hard keeping track and also being yeah. worried that you're going to get in trouble. Got to yeah. stay on Chase's good side because those points are my favorite points. Yeah. Circling back to Disney a little bit, tell us, are there any lesser known strategies or hacks for saving money for Disney, not through points and miles, just any other things that you can think of? You mentioned the bake bonuses. What are some other cashback or money-saving apps that you do to help with Disney planning? Kind of on the same vein with bank bonuses, but um, 
not entirely, but if you have a Chase personal um, bank account, um, so like if you open a new one, they always have some kind of bonus offer for that. But if you have a Chase bank account, a personal one, you can ask them to give you the Disney debit card design. And if you have a Disney visa, you get some perks in the theme park. Um, like you get some discounts on merchandise. They have, sometimes they have discounts on hotel rooms and they have discounts on some of the dining. So just by having this Disney visa debit card, um, because everyone knows there's a Disney visa, like chase credit card, which is not really a great option for travel hacking Disney. But if you just have the debit card design, you get all the same discounts without having to like take a 524 slot. So that's that is really crazy. Cool. Yeah. Is it free for them to send you that design card? Yeah. So the tricky thing about like a Chase personal account is that you do have to make sure that you have, like my husband and I both have it. And um, you just have to make sure you have, I think, $1,500 in your account or you're going to start getting a monthly fee. Um, If you use it regularly, I think there will be enough like direct deposits that it also would keep it fee free. But it's not, you're not automatically going to get a fee-free checking account unless you meet certain requirements. Um, So if you open a Chase checking account, just kind of make sure you know what you need to do to keep it fee-free for you. But yeah, the actual debit card is free to have. There's no fee. um, And you get all the perks that the credit card gets without having to actually open the credit card and take that 524 slot. That is amazing. I do feel like I need to go do some research right now, though, because I did just get the total checking bank bonus yeah. and I just used it for like two direct deposits and then I moved everything back over to where I usually do my banking. Yes. So yeah. now it's sitting there with $5 in it and I'm afraid okay, I'm going to get yeah. in trouble. No, you'll probably get a fee. But I think if you like send yourself money and it's codes as a direct deposit, um, that's one way to you'd have to see what the threshold is. Okay. That's one way to keep your account fee free is to like receive X amount of dollars in direct I use deposits. That account for my buying groups. That's just where yeah. my, the buying group money goes because well, I'm and so, into those. Yeah. Well, call Chase, like the number on the back of your card. Just call them and say, hey, can I have the Disney debit card design? And they'll just switch it over, send you the Disney one, and then you'll have access to um, those perks. You can go to, I think it's DisneyRewards.com or just Google, you know, Disney Visa perks and you'll see the whole list of perks that you get at the parks because you have a Disney Visa debit card. I am seriously learning so much today. This is so exciting. I think I have one last question and maybe this should have been the first question, but it's not so relevant to you, Heather, but maybe you can help some people out. So you drive to Disney, you're driving distance to Orlando, you don't have to worry about flights. Do you know what airlines have a big footprint at the Orlando airport? Just for people who are thinking they need to buy flights on points, what what airlines should they be kind of be looking at? So pretty much every airline. I mean, Orlando International is a huge airport. And so every airline is probably going to fly in some capacity to Orlando. Um, we fly on occasion to Disney. Usually it's like we're like this summer I was visiting family. And so we left from our family's airport um, and flew down to Disney. We flew on Southwest. They have a pretty big presence. We flew home on American. Um, They also have a very big presence. Most major airlines will have options. When people message and they're struggling to find reasonably priced flights, I also suggest looking at other Central Florida airport options because there's a lot. There's a lot in Central Florida. So like looking down at Tampa or St. Pete, there's just a lot of airports in that area. So if you're renting a car anyways, it might be cheaper even to fly in and rent the car from a different airport and drive just a little bit further. Um, The other tip is... Oh, go ahead. Okay. So I'd say the other tip is a lot of times those really early morning flights or those really late flights um, are cheaper. And families tend to shy away from those. But when we flew this year, earlier this year, we flew in. We actually were supposed to land at 8 o'clock at night. But, you know, Florida thunderstorms. Um, We ended up not landing until 10. But inside the Orlando airport, there's a Hyatt Regency. So we had already booked that hotel using, we transferred points to Hyatt. And we just had a hotel booked inside the airport. 
So even though we got off the plane at 10 o'clock, we could just leave security, take the elevator straight up to our room. Um, So it just made that late arriving flight more manageable with kids. And then when we flew out, it was the same way. Like our flight left at 7 a.m., which meant we would have had to get up really early if we had stayed at Disney property. So the night before we like we checked out, we spent our whole day at Disney. Then we got our ride to the airport and then just stayed at the Hyatt Regency again and got up and walked through security. I'm so glad. I'm so glad she brought that up because I, one of the biggest tips that I give people, I love that about the Hyatt Regency. Number one, for early morning or late, you can use your chase point, stay at Hyatt. That's fantastic. But what I say is that brief time that I lived in Florida, I can tell you from experience, you're going to want morning flights because Mm -hmm. especially if it's summertime, it is going to thunderstorm every single day. Go ahead and plan for it. And so when you have afternoon or later flights, you're just at such a higher risk for delays and cancellations that do yourself a favor, even if you're not normally a morning flight kind of person, especially if it's summertime, when you are going to Florida, really consider an early flight because nothing is worse than being stuck in an airport with kids who want to be at Disney World and they're crying because now they're missing their day at Disney World because thunderstorms came up and delayed your flight. So really think about being strategic strategic with your flight times. Yeah. When we board, when we took that late flight that ended up getting delayed two hours, we had boarded our flight in Louisville. That's where we flew from. And then they were like, well, we're on a weather delay. So we had just sat down on the plane. So they had us deplane. We, I was meeting my mom and she was in the air. So they had to land in at an airport in North Florida to refuel and just sit there for a few hours. So it was definitely chaotic flying in in the evening with the thunderstorms, but leaving in the morning while it was early was like right on time. Everything was smooth. So that's a really great option and makes that little, that early morning flight a little bit less tedious. We've also had, we've also had our luggage be soaking wet because when you fly in, say they do land in the thunderstorm, it's pouring down Florida rain and they get your luggage out and then you get your bag. And if you don't have like a hard shell, this is a, you know, a pitch for getting the hard shell cases, Mm -hmm. but your our suitcases were just soaked. Our clothes were saturated. It was awful. So I am all about trying to avoid the rainstorms. Yeah. Team carry on. I love all of these hacks. I feel like you've shared so much amazing stuff. I feel like I could talk about Disney all day long, but is there anything that you want to leave us with that we did not cover? Any last minute tips? Any any seasonal stuff we should be aware of? Just give us your your final thoughts on all of this. Yeah, I feel like we just talked about like the tip of the iceberg. There's so many layers and complexities to planning Disney vacations. And Disney has stuff going on all year round. So there's not like you don't have to worry about like, well, I'm missing this because they always have something new and exciting um, happening, especially at Epcot. You can see they have like a festival pretty much all the time. Um, so like in January, they have January, February, I think March, they do like Festival of the Arts, which is fun. And then they go right into Flower and Garden Festival, which is really fun if you are really into agriculture. And then they switch and do their Food and Wine Festival um, pretty much summer through fall. And then right now they have their Festival of the Holidays, which is just, you know, all of the holidays around the world. Um, So especially at Epcot, there's always something going on. So there's not really a, a bad time to plan a Disney trip. Oh, except maybe like the middle of the summer because it is hot, Um, very (laughs) hot. Um, But usually my advice is just to go in with not low expectations, but just reasonable expectations. You can't do and see it all, especially if you're a first timer. There's so much to see. So have a few things each day that you want to see and then just let it, you know, take your children's lead. Um, because they're going to get tired or it's going to be hot or a ride's going to break down that they want to go on. So just have reasonable expectations that everything is not Instagram worthy. Like everyone will share the highlights of their trip. So there's plenty of times where kids are going to be upset or they're going to be tired or whatever um, that people don't share on Instagram. So just know that Disney's magical, but it can also be a little bit stressful, just like any vacation. So Um, go in with reasonable expectations and then let yourself be pleasantly surprised when, you know, magical things happen or you get to do so much more than you thought because crowds were low or whatever. 
I, I think, love that. I do too. I think one of my favorite, it's so funny you mentioned that, my favorite pictures of our last Disney trip. We went in July. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but it was a thousand degrees and my daughter was two at the time. And I have a picture of her splayed out on the ground, just like in a full on toddler meltdown, like tired, sweating. And I was like, she is all of us right now. We loved our trip. It was wonderful. But that moment of her like laying on the ground, like I am so hot and tired, was just like the picture of Disney. Yes. Instagram versus reality. I love that so much. Well, we're going to have to have you back because I want to hear about your cruise. And I feel like there's, like you said, it's the tip of the iceberg. Like, I'd love to know more thoughts about, you know, some of the magical things to do inside the park. I would love to know your thoughts on Genie Plus and all of those other little hacks. So if you don't mind, we would love to have you back. Oh, I'm always game to talk Disney or points. So, yes. Um, there's just, yeah, there's a lot that goes into planning a trip to Disney. So whenever anyone asks for just generic advice, I'm like, well, do you have an hour to sit and chat? Because it really depends, like the best advice really depends on your family size and what type of points you have and what, you know, all of the things. So hopefully this was helpful to kind of be the tip of the iceberg. And then you can kind of go off and research what sounds interesting, but, um, I'm always happy to talk. Disney strategy. We're going to have to do a part two. Um, And speaking of research, can you tell everybody where they can find you so that they can go down the rabbit hole of your amazing content? (laughs) I I do share a lot over on my Instagram at homeschooling on points. Um, I have a lot of content about Disney specifically um, and how we travel hack our trips there because that's how we afford to travel is travel hacking. So we're de- I'm definitely unconventional in how I do it. Like I said, I throw all conventional travel hacking wisdom out the window and just kind of do it my way. So that way we can take the trip the way that we want to take it and not worry so much about the value that we're getting. Love it. I absolutely love that so much. We're going to link your Instagram in the show notes so everybody can hop over there and find you. And thank you again, Heather, for coming on. This has been so exciting. Thanks for being our first guest. Well, I was listening to your podcast. I love it. I'm so glad that you guys started one. You are such a fun pair to just talk back and forth about travel hacking. So I'm so happy to be here and talking and appreciate you thinking of me. Oh, absolutely. It has been an absolute dream. And thank you for saying that. We're excited that people want to come along on this journey with us. Yes. Okay, everyone, that is all for today. Thank you for joining us. You know where to find us. Please like and subscribe and do not forget to leave us that five-star review. We'll see you next time.